Okay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the most I might have started a list. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the most stress Hi. Hi. The most stressful <laughs> thing is starting our because we have to like start. <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Sorry. Don't laugh. Um <laughs> the most stressful thing is starting our recordings at the same time. <laughs> the most stressful thing is starting this podcast. Yeah. Just starting any recording. Every oh every day we're like, how should we start? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel confident <laughs> when she started this one. Just messes. Um today should be a fun episode. I I really there's something about in the water. Something in the water. Something um, in the water. Happy hi. Hey. Happy hi. Friday. Happy, happy Friday. Hi. Yeah, happy Friday. I, um I'm Chase. Oh, I'm Lena. Wow. And this is already chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this- Welcome to Ghostlight. <laughs> I hope you guys all had great <laughs> I hope you guys had a great Halloween. <laughs> Mr. Let's not talk about Halloween at all. Don't even bring it up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, hope you had great days. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, how are you? All I'm at home, fine. not you. How are you all at home? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. How are you guys? <laughs> I mean, you all. We're good. We're fine. Doing fine. I don't know. Been better. That was all of the, all the possible answers. The who's and who bell. How are you, Lena? Uh, I'm I'm good. Um, I got my little flu shotty shot today. Nice. How did that go? It's good. It's like funny because <laughs> because <laughs> I um went in, forgot to wear like forgot that it was like on your arm, and so you need a short sleeve shirt <laughs> i wore yeah, a long yeah, sleeve shirt <laughs> and so i had to yeah. fully take off my sweatshirt for the shot so that was, <laughs> that was a lot just i was like i'm so sorry like <laughs> but i gotta do this and the guy was like the like pharmacist or whatever was like kind of cute too and we were like talking <laughs> mm-hmm. we were talking mm-hmm. and then i also had just done this mask that like t- smells like sulfur <laughs> Oh! Shout out to Anna Papa for um showing me this. It was like a skincare mask thing, yeah. And I forgot, or I just like wasn't thinking, and so it does. It smells like after. And so mm-hmm. I was in there just like shirtless, smelling like sulfur, in front of this like hot doctor. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about how no, <laughs> it's so cold. No. So, <laughs> so it was a lot before you know ten. In the Did morning. he mention how how your face smelled? No. <laughs> Was anything so he okay great so he, he didn't, didn't or he was just being nice. <clears throat> that is really funny. Um, well, this morning I watched a new episode of The Mandalorian season two premiere, and it was everything I wanted it to be. So that was very exciting. Yay! Should have been preparing the script like I said I would, but I think it'll go fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be good. Um, today is our first theater where we go international <gasps> our first international theater this is a big deal we're going across the pond folks that was a skipping across um yeah <laughs> and this is um <laughs> it'll be fun um and the theater royal is arguably the most haunted theater in the world so it should be a good one and it comes as no surprise when it when it when one considers its history which dates back more than 350 years yeah i know it's very storied Yes, and that's honestly, by the way, that's like I think one of your favorite words 
that you use on this podcast. What was that? I thought someone knocked on my door. I thought someone knocked on my door. That was so scary. Scary. Ooh, I hate when you get knocks on your door and you're not expecting yeah. anyone. So to celebrate our humble milestone of 10 episodes on Ghost Light, we thought it would be fun to cover this theater over two over two separate episodes, actually, because the, the theater itself has about, I think, four iterations. So... We're going to be diving into the histories and hauntings of each one, two, two, two iterations this episode, and Lena will cover two iterations next episode. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun. So yeah, it's just been around for a long time, and I'm excited to kind of cover all of it. Me too. I'm excited. So should we just get into it, or is there anything else you'd like to sort of unpack from your, your morning flu shot? Well, I was trying to get the chicken pox vaccine too. And how about... <laughs> It's just surprised because I thought you wouldn't have anything else to throw in there. What what happened with it? You what happened? You shouldn't have asked the question. Um, <laughs> what happened? They were like, I signed up online for this because I am because I didn't ever get the chicken pox thing vaccine when I was little, mm. and I never got chicken pox. So, mm. um, it's bad when did you, you get go to chicken pox adult. parties. So, yeah, I think I actually did, and I never got chicken pox. Still, so oh. maybe I'm just immune. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but Big maybe. Just but. in case I'm not, I wanted to get the <laughs> chicken pox vaccine finally. And then they, I signed up online and then I get there and they're like, oh, we don't have that. And I was like, well, you says you do. But anyway. So That's weird. Is this the Walgreens back. between you and me? Between our places? Mm-hmm. Like on the corner? Okay. Yeah. Cute. So they told me well, another one that has it, but so I have to go back. Anyway. um, Yeah. I'm ready. Well. <laughs> I'm glad we're all caught up on your vaccination. <laughs> yeah, schedule. thanks for listening. <laughs> um, but I'm okay, so, excited for yeah, this. Good, me too. Um, let's get into the first iteration, uh, the Theater Royal in Bridges Street. So after 11 years of Puritan law banning, quote unquote, frivolous pastimes, one of which was theater, Charles Ew. II took the throne. I know fucking rude. Charles II took the throne in 1660. Soon after, Charles issued letters allowing two acting companies to be formed, one of which was given to Thomas Killigrew, who formed the King's Company. In 1663, a playhouse was built for the King's Company, known as the Theatre Royal on Bridges Street. It apparently went by other names as well, such as the King's Playhouse, but it was mostly just known as one of the two legitimate houses for theatre at the time. The King himself was known to frequent this playhouse often, which makes sense given the name. Oh, and by the way, Mercedes prepped today's episode. Yay, yes. Yeah, so thank you, Mercedes. Thanks, Mercedes. Um, so like most theaters of the time, Theater, Roy- Theater Royal had a pit with benches for the lower class folks with ascending galleries for those able to pay higher prices for tickets. The Theater Royal was constantly being pushed to innovate by their rival, the Duke's Company, mm-hmm. and the two had more or less a monopoly on theater at the time, and therefore they were like always trying to one-up each mm-hmm, other. Mm-hmm. Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. The Theater Royal was probably ultimately the more successful, though, because looking back at it, it was home to some of the more memorable moments in theater history. For example, John Dryden wrote many of his famous restoration comedies for the Theater Royal. And our girl, Nell Gwynn, uh, uh, took to the Theater Royal's st- stage in breeches roles many a times, uh, um, which was a classic element of restoration comedies. Yes. Can we talk about Nell Gwynn? We can talk about Nell Gwynn. Let's get into it. I love Nell Gwynn. <laughs> she, I do too. She's iconic. She used to throw oranges in the theater, like sell oranges, mm. not throw them. 
<laughs> I mean, maybe she would toss Sell it to them. someone, a paying customer. Yeah. yeah. And then from orange girl to king's mistress. To king's mistress to most actor. Most. On stage. Most wonderful actress in London. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I know. And it's she, very cool. She, she like, like when women um, weren't allowed to act on stage. Yeah. And like Mercedes says, like she she performed a lot of breaches roles. And for those who don't know, um, breaches roles, they were roles that were, that would require women to dress up in men's clothing, like on stage, like something in this, in the, in the, in the, the role would require them to dress up in men's clothing. And that often involved tights, which would expose the shape of their legs. And so it was all very erotic for play, playgoers of the day. Ugh, so weird. Yeah. Pretty pervy. Um, but Mercedes kind of, Mercedes wrote, she says, she said this whole like part of the history. She said she says, I know I was like supposed to learn this in my college theater history class and it's all vaguely familiar. And she says, but whoops, sorry to my professor. I absolutely was not paying attention. Um, yeah, I honestly know a lot. I honestly, I guess, retain a lot of my knowledge about Nell Gwynn and like this sort of chapter of theater history from literally Shakespeare and Love yeah, helps me yeah. retain a lot of it. And also... Um, What's that movie I always try to get stage you to watch? Beauty. Oh, Stage Beauty. Yeah. Bitch. Stage Beauty. If y'all want the fucking tea on theater during this time, go watch Stage Beauty. Oh, my God. It's such a good movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It's so, so good. And. Shakespeare in Love. And we had a great theater history professor. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. And I think what helped a lot, too, is that during this class, we had, during this period, we had a thing called Dead Diva. <laughs> Oh my god, Dead Which Diva. was that we had to like be, we each got assigned a character, or not a character, a figure in history, in like theater history. I think that's how I retained a lot because we had to like, perf- like not perform, but like give a presentation as this No, we had person. to full on interview. Our yeah, professor, yeah, who's like the smartest woman in the entire world, <laughs> literally was like interviewing us like, like, like we were like the Dead Diva on the talk show and she would ask us questions about our lives and we just had to know. Yeah, it was like terrifying, but I also it was retained horrific. a lot of information. So, Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So a mix of uh, good uh, good teaching and good movies. Yeah, and shout out to Megan LaForge who played Nell Gwynn, our favorite, our favorite She's, She was so cute. She showed up to class with her little orange basket. <laughs> However, um, back to the history, all good things do come to an end. And in 1665, only two years after the Theatre Royal was built, the Great Plague of London forced all public entertainment to close. <gasps> LOL. Mercedes, <laughs> Mercedes says, can't relate at all. No. Oh, my gosh. What year was that? 1665. Their, their own 2020. <laughs> I know it's just like so freaky it really it really is freaky to like kind of just like cover that like when I was reading the script through I was just like I have to scream yeah the fact that the great plague of London forced all public entertainment to close yeah just like now a tale as old as time (laughs) again and 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 if we're gonna learn anything from the great plague of London um all public entertainment and the theater itself was shut down for 18 months. So looks like we, we got a ways it's to gonna go. It's going to be longer. Yeah, I was going to say it's going to be longer than 18 it, months, I think. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, at least to have it open in the same way, for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah. So and under um, during the time that it was shut down, though, um, apparently it was renovated a bit. So not the best quarantine plans for the workers, but... Mm. In 1666, the Great Fire of London affected many buildings, but not the Theatre Royal. She was too far away and was ultimately left 
unaffected by the fire. But before anyone gets too excited, the building did actually burn down about six years later in January of 1672, which brings us to the second iteration of the Theater Royal. Dang. Well, didn't the, wait, side note, didn't the fire, the Great Fire of London, stop, like help stop the plague a lot? Like it was a big part of that? That sounds great. It was at least in um, <laughs> I, I don't in know one anything about that. Oh, okay. Oh, is it One Fleece Spare? I should know. Well, they just talk. I just remember because I dramaturged One Fleece Spare. Oh, and okay. talk about how the fire really helped stop the spread. That's Well, did it stop the spread because it just killed everyone who had it? Or did it stop the spread? No, like, like it killed. I mean, yeah, maybe partly, but it killed like the virus in the town. Okay. By probably burning everything <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not. You and can't all get the like rats that had it or whatever. All the rats. Okay, so the second iteration of the Theatre Royal Jury Lane. In 1674, the King's Company used what little funds they had to rebuild their theatre. The new building was constructed on Drury Lane, though it was still accessible from the old Bridges Street location via a long underground pathway, which is super fun. Yeah, you know what I mean? Fun. So it's like, even though like it might have moved like location just like a little bit, it was still like kind of connected. You know what I mean? I love underground cool. pathways too. We love it. We love it. After the fire, which not only destroyed the theater, but all of its props, scenery, and costumes in the playhouse, the King's Company was unable to fully financially recover. There was also a lot of political pressure and unrest at the time, which negatively affected the King's Company. So they actually ended up being absorbed into their rival company, the Duke's Company, in 1682. So the merged company then decided to establish itself at the Drury Lane Theater. Mm. So the new like location. So now like <clears throat> the two became one. Yeah. So this new troupe known as the Patent Company was put under the artistic control of Alexander Davenant in 1688. His control over the company was brief and chaotic to say the least, ultimately ending in Davenant fleeing the country to the Canary Islands on embezzlement charges. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Merced is right. Merced is put, which hello, not much info on him, but he seems cool. <laughs> Seems cool. Uh, I don't know if cool is the <laughs> word, but yeah, he sounds like, he sounds interesting. Um, so with Davenant gone, the Theater Royal was then placed into the hands of Christopher Rich. Rich was not much better, however, and his 16 years as the head of the Theater Royal was full of in-house fighting, salary cuts, and cost-cutting tyranny. Eventually, a group of actors in the company organized a rebellion, leaving the patent company and Rich to fend for themselves. Oh my God, however, drama. I, literally, like, yeah. such tea. Um, however, Rich was able to keep the company afloat with successful with a few successful plays, and eventually the theater regained a fair reputation. Mm. Love a comeback. So, story. We love a comeback. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Theater Royale Jury Lane changed hands a few more times over the years until eventually being being taken over by actor David Garrick. Garrick served as both manager and lead actor from 1747 to 17. 17- Do you recognize his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like, he's famous. He's like, like a, we definitely learned about a him. Figure he's a figure in, for sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so Garrick served as both manager and lead actor from 1747 to 1766, at which time he stepped down as an actor, but continued to manage the house for another 10 years. During this time, at least at least 24 Shakespearean productions were mounted at the Theatre Royal, and Garrick is often cited as one of the main reasons Shakespeare's works received a surge in pal- popularity at the time. Wow. Which is kind of interesting, kind of cool. Rece- a received a surge of popularity and never stopped. <laughs> like, yeah. And no, no one, it was yeah. no one else received any <laughs> like surge. Literally the, like literally the longest popularity <laughs> yeah. streak. 
1776, Garrick sold his remaining shares in Drury Lane to Irish playwright Richard Brinsley Sheridan, and Sheridan was able to completely purchase the theater two years later and remained the owner until 1809. During this time, Sheridan premiered his Comedy of Manners plays such as School for Scandal and The Rivals. Ooh. School for Scandal? Um, school for Scandal. I'm going to go to that school. Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> Sheridan also employed actor Joseph Grimaldi, who made famous the white-faced clown in the theater's pantomimes. Grimaldi worked with the Theater Royale from 1780 until 1806 when he left due to ongoing issues with management at Drury Lane. So that's the first half of this theater's history, and then we'll get into this half of the theater's hauntings associated with this half of the history, if that makes sense. yeah. So now it's time to get into hauntings. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I love the hauntings. I love the hauntings. I love the hauntings. So while Drury Lane has a number of interesting ghosts, this week we're going to be focusing on two of them, which seems like not a lot, but these two have a lot of interesting stories as both of these ghosts likely inhabited the Theater Royal sometime during the years we discussed in our history section. So 17th or 18th century at the latest, which means there's been plenty of time since then for hauntings to occur. So the first figure is the man in gray. I'm very excited about. Oh, we also I've been here and I just want to like have like a little oh. humble brag moment about it. I saw arguably one of the worst musicals <laughs> of my entire life, but I went and it was cool. What was it? Um, okay, bitch. I fucking bought like like third row seats to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm why? Oh my god, I, I can't remember if I went with someone or not. So I feel like an asshole. But any point is, is like, I bought like nice tickets because I thought it was gonna be good. Yeah. I thought it was gonna be good. I like, I literally just like, for some reason, I just thought it'd be fun. And I think <clears throat> maybe I was hurting. <laughs> I just wanted to like go feel something and like watch this like stupid, like cookie cutter musical, yeah. which by the way, but it there's room have to that. actually, it could, it could be real. You could do a really cool version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Well, and that's what, that was what was annoying is especially when you like, when you like think about a musical coming from like the book mm-hmm. and coming from like sort of like the imagination of Roald Dahl like could be really cool and like in like storybooky and like fantastical mm-hmm. but not like it was like it was super like hyper clean in a way that was like reminiscent of and I'm sure yeah I know that they like took a lot of inspo obviously from the book but it was something that was like super clean that felt very like new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like the one with Johnny yeah. Depp mm-hmm. like it felt like that movie in the way that it was like very like clean and futuristic yeah, mm-hmm. and weird and then I just didn't like a lot of the music I don't know it just was not at all my show at yeah. all my show but I love anyone who loves it love it love it <laughs> love the whole love it as you love it um, um but that's cool that you've been anyway. to the Drury Lane yeah it is fun it is fun um I wish I knew also I will say I mean I wish I knew that it was super haunted at the time but at the same time I do remember it just like having some sort of vibe um so let's go back to the man in gray um our first ghost the man in gray this is easily the most famous ghost of drury lane he is described as wearing the clothing of an 18th century nobleman including a riding cloak and hat and oftentimes a powdered wig fun super fun um some have seen him limping however that is not always the case his appearances always follow a set route, wandering the upper circle of the balcony and ending with him passing through a solid wall. Due to the routine nature of his hauntings, many people speculate that this could be a residual haunting. Mm. So, and we talk about like residual hauntings a lot. And like, I thought I'd kind of like get into like, kind of define what a resi- yeah. residual haunting is. Just like, yeah, just to do it. Um, so like a residual haunting is an imprint 
like literally like an energetic sort of imprint on the atmosphere that is replayed, replayed oftentimes at the same time each day, while an actual haunting would be more of like a ghost, like hanging out in a building doing like doing things like free play style. Mm -hmm, You know what mm -hmm, I mean? mm -hmm. So, and I remember like, you know, a family friend one time was like, uh, she like spent a lot of time at another family friend's house and she was like, oh yeah. She's like, I see, I see a ghost of a woman pass over the like the wall in the sunroom at the same time every day she's like it happens like 3 p.m every day i can kind of just see here and i would just say i say i say hi and i move on whoa yeah <laughs> which is weird yeah and so like that's a residual haunting where it's sort of repeated um and replayed a lot okay okay and they're like doing the same thing a lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so that's the vibe with the man in gray yeah okay so in 1939 half of the cast of the dancing years was on stage for a photo call when they all witnessed the man in gray cross the upper circle and then disappear through the wall. One actor, oh, that's, so that's one story. And then also with regards to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, one actor who was in that show found that almost everyone that was working at the theater did indeed have some kind of experience that they attributed to the man in gray. So like, wow. it's cool because it's like, you know, 1939, like all these people like have seen him. And then also one of the performers in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like, confirmed with everyone working at the theater that there's some stuff happening with like a man in gray right Ooh, wait yeah. but does he do freaky stuff um not really like there have been like there it's been known that like doors slam and electronic devices like kind of act erratically and a lot of people do attribute that to the man in gray but for the most part it sounds like he just kind of like hangs out and like walks around interesting, interesting. that's fun i would like i would like yeah. that sighting <laughs> Yeah, I do too. I would too. I would too. Absolutely. As long as like wasn't actually I could fuck with a residual haunting in my home. Like I guess I could. Like it's not that scary. Like if they're if what? I don't think I could. In your home. Oh. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I was thinking about like my family friend who like if you know, if there was like a, a shadow of a woman who passed over like the same wall every day at three PM, I'd be like walking by and be like, Hey. Yeah, I guess. But I hope you're having a good day today. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's something kind of neighborly about it. Yeah. As long as I would want to like be sure that there's no like negative. Right. Ne- totally. Energy associated with them. And then I'd also probably move. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. And also I hope I'm not manifesting anything. So yeah. um, <clears throat> um, I guess I, I should clarify that it's not optimal to have a ghost in the home. <laughs> but if I did, I would rather have a residual haunt than a free form spirit. Just yeah. doing whatever the hell it wants around my house. That is scarier. Ooh. Yeah, scarier. Yeah. Okay, Mercedes writes, get very excited for this next appearance because I know you two love like, shit like this. <laughs> um, she says, a cleaner who was new to the theater royal once encountered the man in gray. Thinking he was an actor, she put down her supplies and spoke to him, at which point he just disappeared. Confused, she looked around for him and was astonished to see him vanished into one of the upper circle walls. Bye. 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 <laughs> Uh, it kind of reminds me of like one of my favorite sound by I mean, I don't know. I spent a lot of time editing these episodes, but I will say like one of my favorite things and I something I hear to this day is you go <laughs> you say something where we're talking about our favorite kinds of hauntings are the ones where like you say something happened and then it's like, wait, that person's like wasn't there. Yeah. Uh-huh, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And like you in one of the in one of the early episodes you say, That never happened. He was never there. <laughs> like the way you speak the way you pause through it is just delicious and dramatic. It's good. <laughs> 
So it's kind of it's kind of has that kind of vibe too. This um, yeah yeah man in gray moment with the with the cleaner. I think that if I I think that I would want to see a like period ghost, like in period clothing, like yeah. more no, than a modern opposed- ghost. Yeah, well, the, what's weird is that we don't get any modern ghost stories. You know what I mean? Like, you really don't get a lot of, like... Yeah, I guess. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I'm saying, like, you just don't... I've never heard of a ghost that, like, was wearing, like, jeans and a button <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, like, true. Except, it, which except is in, like, movies and TV, I think. Like, fake, but it's not... True. You know what I mean? Well, maybe true. not That's even. True, that's fair. I don't know. But I would much prefer, like, a full like, apparition yeah. of, like, a guy in, like... 17 or 18th century like garb than like anything else do you know what i mean absolutely like, yeah any no, other kind sure. of haunting or like oh i don't know i feel like i could just like outsmart them <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yes absolutely and then there's also like i feel i it, it's fun to picture because if i saw like sort of like a nobleman like 17th century like nobleman i feel like i could just be like tip my hat and move on yeah. and feel pretty calm versus like if there was like any other kind of ghost I'd probably be a little more spooked mm-hmm. but if I it agree. was just like a like a gentleman with like a mustache and a monocle and a top hat I'd be I'm like, like oh, good day keep walking <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so precisely who the man in gray is though remains a mystery the most popular theory of who the man was though it offers no definite identification revolves around an unsettling discovery made in the theater During a small renovation of Drury Lane in the 1870s, one worker found a male skeleton bricked up behind a small passage within the theater walls. Mm. It appeared, based on the remains, that the man had been stabbed to death. (gasps) Stories began to circulate that this young man had gained the affection of an actress who performed at the theater during the time of Queen Anne. The story goes that an actor, who had also vied for her hand, was enraged at this and consumed with jealousy, he killed his rival and hid the body in the theater walls. (gasps) Whoa. (laughs) Isn't that wild? Yeah. A murderer. Anytime anytime we're uncovering a body in a wall. You know what, though? I feel like there's... a lot of walls that have bodies that haven't been found. <laughs> that is like very, that's very fair. That is very fair. Ooh. And, and, we'll, and we'll leave it at yeah. that. There's more bodies out there. <laughs> um, whatever the reason for this ghost's presence, he is universally liked because his appearances are considered a good omen. It is believed that if he appears at the theater before or during a new production, it will have a long successful run. The King and I, South Pacific and Oklahoma are just three productions that saw the man in gray before they opened. And duh, they were all hits. So it's kind of cool. And like Mercedes says, I just want to point out because I love drawing connections between episodes that this particular trait is similar to Le Petit's Captain Ghost, right? Like Mm -hmm, when in in the episode we cover Le Petit, it's a similar thing where it's like the ghost is acting as a good omen for shows. And it's it's kind of interesting. It feels like um, a sort of like new theater lore that's kind of starting to build itself yeah, right? where yeah, it's like true. the ghosts are considered good omens and i'm sure that there's well even like counters to that well but- even the like um there are other stories of ghosts i think it's new amsterdam or one of them where um they like say goodbye to the ghost yeah new, new amsterdam, amsterdam right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah um totally. where they say goodbye to the ghost the um, like the crew says goodbye yeah every night yeah which is like similar like you know yeah vi- like kind of just like living with the ghosts yeah. mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. for sure So the second ghost is the ghost of Joseph Grimaldi. 
So as we talked about earlier, actor and clown Joseph Grimaldi appeared frequently in pantomimes at the theater. He died in 1837, and the cause of death is recorded as a visitation by God, which was basically just an attempt to explain him passing away during the night when he seemed pretty healthy and was only 58 years old. However, some seem to think his spirit sticks around at Drury Lane. According to paranormal accounts, Grimaldi is actually a really sweet spirit who shows up to help guide and direct nervous actors. They say he loved the craft so much that he's sticking around to make sure every show is the best possible, which isn't to say that he's always cute about it, though. Apparently, some actors and also even members of the crew and cleaning staff have felt a swift little kick whenever they're slacking off. This is said (laughs) to be Grimaldi's way of ensuring only the best is done at Drury Lane. Ooh, I love that. Kind of fun. Except I'd be annoyed. He's like keeping a tight ship. Okay, chill. Chill out. Got it. I got to get home. I'm fucking tired. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's true. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably just not really have time for him if he was kicking me around. Mm -hmm. But it would be also nice to like, I'm here for it when he's helping out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, 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 right. One more thing on Joey here. Allegedly, before his death, Grimaldi had one dying wish. He requested that his head be severed from his body before burial. Now, whether or not his family honored his wait, why? (laughs) I don't know. Is that a thing? That's not. Well, maybe I. I feel like I feel. Well, I mean, I feel like it. Probably, if it is a thing, which I'm sure it is, like in history, like maybe it's some like superstitious thing where. I don't know. We it's like it's it, it feels like kind of like similar to like how like in 2020 some people want to die and have their head severed and frozen. What? So they can come back. Oh. You know about this. You know what I mean? Whoa. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's the same thing. I'm just saying it sounds I, similar in context yeah, yeah. of the era. Well, I wonder if back then it was like so that you don't become a ghost or something. Yeah, or that yeah, exactly. Maybe it was so that you don't become a ghost, maybe it was so that you do stay stick around i don't know Hmm, because it also feels it feels very like uh like inorganic and like counter spiritual like like um it just sounds like a little bit off where it's like wouldn't you want to go the way you came in so it feels like it almost it feels like it would be like a damning sort of thing to do maybe he was just like a or maybe he just maybe there's honestly no rhyme or reason and maybe he just said yeah cut it off yeah yeah (laughs) cut it off now, whether or not his family honored his wish and wishes, I couldn't 100% find proof on Mercedes writes, but some people believe it for sure was done because many witnesses have reported seeing a disembodied white face floating around the theater, especially in the wings. Ooh. Isn't that a little wild? Yeah, that's, ooh, that's scary. A little, a, just a head. It's very haunted mansion. Just like a little, like, very haunted mansion and it also reminds me of scooby-doo the live action when they're on spooky island and like everyone's souls are just floating heads lost on you but uh i hope someone out there sure others that will movie, that film pick it up <laughs> um awesome okay so that that wraps up the hauntings on this section of the theater royal jury lane anything else you'd like to say just about wow. about these spirits just just a big old just wow a big wow and <laughs> A wow and a cheers and a sip. Sip with us. Sip with us. Hydrate. Okay. So it's time (laughs) for this week's bonus content. This week we are calling, uh, Mercedes has deemed it our terror talk. And we will be looking, we will be taking a look into one of the most famous theater superstitions out there, which we've talked about wanting to address, which we're finally addressing. And that is why some consider it bad luck to say Macbeth Macbeth. while inside a theater. 
Okay, so I'm gonna we'll we'll get it we'll get into our personal yeah, thoughts on. I have a lot of thoughts. So let me just kind of set it up. I know, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. What's that from? Oh, West Side Story. I know you do. I know you do. Love that, like uh, uh, Kate. That, that really is an earworm. Yeah. That one line. Okay, so this superstition takes different forms for different people. Some people say it's only bad luck to say Macbeth in a theater while on stage, while some say it extends to the whole house and dressing rooms. Some say it only matters if Macbeth is uttered during the run of the show, and some say otherwise. Regardless, if you're in the theater business, you've probably met at least one person who has had a strict set of rules, (laughs) you're shaking your head, to when you can and cannot say the title of the Scottish play in any theatrical space. Okay, so before I move on, Lena, do you consider it to be bad luck? Why or why not? No, I think it's like one of the dumbest um, superstitions. <laughs> Maybe because I've never had an experience where something went wrong or something. I don't okay, know. But, but, but like, the, it just seems the, like it's a play. The fear of, a, I'm going to say the name of the play. <clears throat> like it, what? who decided Macbeth? Why couldn't it be Hamlet? Or like, well, we'll it's get so into that. arbitrary. But I guess, I guess like I, you're just, you're, I think I just, you're not as superstitious of a person yeah, as I am because like I'm like I don't necessarily like super believe it but I also like would never do it because the thought of the thought of something could go wrong like I'm just I don't know like yeah it does make me it I makes me makes me nervous I think it's also partly the I think it's also partly that people take it so seriously and so then <laughs> I like have like a rebellious like <laughs> like yeah. I can't believe you're yeah. taking this so seriously that I like <laughs> yeah you just want to stamp it yeah, all out yeah if someone said it, but for me, like I'm su- like like I said, like I do not say it. If I do say it, I have a little thing I do. It does make me nervous. If someone said it, maybe it would make me nervous. I would never tell anyone to stop, and I would never like be like, "Well, now you have to go and do this thing." You know what I mean? Like I would never like tell them to go like do something about it. But I would maybe do it myself. I might do my own, even if I don't say it. And someone says it around me, I might I might do something. If someone says it around you, ritual. you would do something. Maybe yes, absolutely. I think I've done that in the past. So it's okay, though, if you're doing the show. <clears throat> yes. The rule is, I mean, for the most part that you can, to my understanding, you, if you're doing the show, is that's the only time you can use the name. I don't even like, I don't even like reading it off the script in my own home. And this isn't like a theater space. There is something about the name that freaks me out. Yeah. But don't you think it's just because of all of the Oh, for sure. For it? sure. Yeah. 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 So before we get into the why... It's bad luck. It's considered bad luck. Let's get into some. Let's talk about some of the countermeasures people take once the name is uttered. Uh, most people who hold this superstition near and dear also have a specific ritual to complete. Should you break the rule, one involves the offending party leaving the theater, spinning around three times, spitting on the ground, cursing, then knocking on the door to be formally invited back into the theater. Like that is just a prank. Like that is just <laughs> that is just. That's just to get someone outside so you can talk shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so like there's like other variations of that, but like that's one of the most popular. I've also heard of like the spitting and the cursing and all that kind of stuff. And I have heard of the knocking on the door to be like invited back into the theater, which I think is super, super fun. Um, my thing is like when I do it, I usually just spin three times over my left shoulder and spit on the ground. But I don't leave and I don't knock and I don't curse. You spit on the ground inside? Yeah. No way. Yes. Like a sp- I don't like, like a I don't hawk a loogie. Okay. No. <laughs> Hawk a leg. You hawk a leg. No, on I don't stage, like... <laughs> No, I don't. I would never. You just kind of go. I just, I just kind of go. 
Ew, that was so Dude, gross. I don't, do that. So I don't just like let it. I don't, I don't just dribble out. I just, I just go like, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good sound effect. Like an Italian grandmother. Yes, exactly, exactly. So now on to the why of it all. Alina, I'm sure you're on the edge of your seat. <laughs> Many people believe that while he was writing Macbeth, Shakespeare stole the incantations spoken by the three sisters' characters from actual witches. <gasps> oh, see, I don't know Dis- all of this. See, okay, now oh, it's like a, it's, now, now it's you're at least interested. More fun. <laughs> now I'm interested. <laughs> now I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> Book of Mormon, deep Ew, cut. I hate for that you. we like are. No, I love it. I love it. I take it back. Never mind. Bye. displeased these real life witches decided to respond to Shakespeare's you know stealing their incantations they decided to respond by cursing the play forever and ever some people believe the curse exists because of the rumor that the play's first performance which was sometime around 1606 was riddled with disaster rumor has it that the actor playing Lady Macbeth died suddenly leaving Shakespeare himself to take on the part In another 17th century production, the actor playing King Duncan was allegedly killed in front of a live audience when a real dagger was used in place of the stage prop during the stabbing scene. Whoa. On purpose? Like, was someone trying to kill him? Bitch, I don't know. I I mean, first of all, probably. (laughs) (laughs) But but also, like, can you imagine? I mean, if that was an accident, that is horrific and tragic but no i mean can you imagine like watching the stabbing scene which is already like by the way like if you see a good production Mac- macbeth it's like intense and it's like Macbeth is intense ugly. yeah just in general it's in, yeah it's intense it's exactly if you see- oh so good it's so good i love macbeth. um but imagine like watching it but like it's a murder and you're watching real blood wait which one which and someone who died die. what character duncan king duncan okay so many people die sleep. so <laughs> yeah yeah king duncan um hmm. but Imagine like watching Macbeth stabbing King Duncan, but like all of a sudden it's real blood. That actor that's playing Macbeth fully just killed this man and the man playing King Duncan just died in front of you. And imagine like that would just be bananas. But I wonder if they knew. I wonder if the audience knew. You know how there's stories of like something tragic happening, but they just think it's part of the That's what I'm saying. It would be so weird. And then like imagine like Macbeth's like, I don't know, whatever. So that happened and it's crazy. Another bit of bad luck surrounding the Scottish play involves the famous 1849 Astor Place riot in New York City. This riot revolved around rival actors Edwin Forrest and William Charles McCready, who were both playing Macbeth in opposing productions at the time. (laughs) And it resulted in at least 20 deaths and over 100 injuries. And this story... I know. Well, Mercedes writes, yet another, yet another quote, thing I should have remembered from my college BFA program, but only sort of kind of sounds familiar, which is funny. I don't know that this even Um, sounds familiar. No, it's literally, I don't think it sounds familiar to me either, but like, and for anyone listening that knows more about it, listen, I don't, I literally just kind of learned about this and I haven't like learned, learned about it, but it sounds really cool. It basically was this like super deadly, I mean, not cool, but super deadly riot that happened in Manhattan at an opera house. And these two people is a British performer and an American performer who, and he's like one of the first like American theater stars Mm -hmm. and they're both playing Macbeth and they both had like such like staunch like supporters that they, 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 it was weird. They used to be, I want a movie bitch. Mm -hmm. They, They used to be friends. Apparently in my opinion, they were probably gay because it turned into like a huge rivalry and they like hated each other these two oh actors God. and so the riot like the riot and there's also a lot of like class things going on too and a lot of like context that's really important that again i do not know anything about um but it it, it 
it was these two guys playing Macbeth and basically like this riot broke out at the theater and literally left 20 people dead and over a hundred injuries. Oh my gosh. Literally just because like people were that invested. Yeah. (laughs) And again, other things too that were, uh, I don't know. First of all, who, what company is doing the same production of the same show across the street? I mean, not the same production, (laughs) the same show across the street, like rearrange your season. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, again I, again, I cannot speak on it. I do not know. But I want a movie about that. And I want them to be gay. And I want them to break up and have a terrible breakup. And actually, I mean, we could probably deal with some more positive gay movies. The point is, yeah, true. <laughs> it's a good story. Okay. So other productions of Macbeth have been plagued but with accidents as well, including actors falling off the stage, mysterious deaths, and even narrow misses by falling stage weights, which in fact happened to Laurence Olivier at the Old Vic in 1937. Wow. I fell off a stage so what is once. This- <laughs> was it thoroughly modern really no it was like in um third grade or something and i was in a oh, well, show about saint francis of assisi 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 and i was a farmer and i oh, fell no. off the stage <laughs> oh, during no. a performance could you not see or were you just everyone just kind of kept it. scooting over we were like in a classic um a classic like half circle on stage yeah and everyone pageant, just kind of scooted like and i kept scooting and didn't realize that the stage was <laughs> ending and i just fell oh, right yeah. off why do i want to cry it's like a big stage too like i fell Did, was your mom filming that? no <laughs> actually now that someone i say was. it it might someone have been like a dress rehearsal Everyone just like ran oh. and picked me up. And I mean, Aww, that's so cute and sad. I know. So does this all mean a curse? Mercedes asks. I tend to think no, Mercedes answers. These are all her words. <laughs> I personally was in Macbeth once, which is supposed to be the eye of the storm. Even worse, I played one of the three sisters or witches. Mm-hmm. And like that wasn't even the Shakespeare show I broke a bone during. So yeah. no complaints here. But she's. <laughs> okay, keep going. I'll but let you what I will say. <laughs> yeah, we'll let Mercedes finish. She says, but what I will say is this for theater to really work, you have to respect each other totally. So whenever I'm in shows with people who believe saying Macbeth is bad luck, I don't say it. And if I do accidentally say Macbeth, I'll, I'll, I'll do the ritual because honestly, why not? It takes less time to just not be a dick and respect other people's beliefs, which leads to better shows anyways. So thoughts, she asks us. I agree. Like, um, to be respectful of people mm-hmm. and their wishes. I've actually never said it. I've only experienced people because I, I actually don't say it either because people get so mad. Oh, okay. but Oh, so I got it. So you you don't say it because you're like nervous. You don't say it because you don't want to bother other people. Yeah, because I agree. Like okay, if people so think that, smart. then they shouldn't. But I have seen people when I just don't fully don't believe it. And also I've seen people right. get so mad at other people yeah. for saying it. And I'm yeah. just like, okay. And that's, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, half of it, half of it, I believe just because it's fun to believe. Right. And like the other part to that too is like, you have to have fun with it. So if you're if you're if you believe it to the point where you're like getting mad at people and you're not having fun with it anymore, like it's best to reevaluate that belief and ask if it's serving you or the company you're working with. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like it's fun to have like fun with it, but like let's not let's not uh also start fights over it. Yeah, and also I agree that like maybe the play about Saint Francis is cursed too, because <laughs> like <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like I just feel like there's so yeah. there, theater's kinda dangerous, like sometimes. Totally. Like, well, Stuff happens. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone just associates yeah. it. I don't know. Yeah. And even like mysterious deaths too is, as I mean, in context of like the 1700s or six, you know, whenever, like just like 
that time period, like mysterious deaths, like I feel like a lot of people mysteriously died and a lot of it was due to like either like hygiene or people just killing people because it was easier to kill people back yeah, then. Yeah, it was a like, mysterious you know, like, death because they didn't know know as many things about yeah diseases and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I definitely will catch me not saying it because I'm nervous and catch you not saying it because you're respectful. Yeah, well, I also just I like haven't really sense. guessed. I've never been in it. I've never actually worked on it mm. at all, you know? Like, I've never... Mm-hmm. I'm not always like, oh, but you can say it during it. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. It's like, if you can... S- wouldn't the... I know. I there's get so many saying. plot holes. Or not plot holes, but... Lo- yeah, lo- loopholes? Uh, Home- it's just so holes. many holes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on that. Let's end on the... There's too many holes. Um, because we, we, we have wrapped up this episode. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. It's been a it's been a fun one. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Also, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and feel free to check out other CTC podcasts as well because they are bomb. And if you would like to further support our podcast, please rate us and leave a review on whichever li- listening platform you use. Also, we finally have a merch shop set up, <gasps> and should you find yourself wanting any ghost like clothing, totes, stickers, or pins, check out our Instagram bio for the link to our shop. They're so cute. They're super cute. Finally, be sure to follow us on Instagram at GhostLightCTC. And should you have any spooky stories you would like to share, they can be theater-related or not, uh, feel free to send them our way to GhostLightCTC at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. And don't forget to leave the light on. Leave the light on.